Hello everyone, welcome to another exciting adventure at the Hub World. Today's bonus quest will have us covering a couple of smaller things just as an appetizer before the main course next month. Um, my name is Jules, and today our party members are Mateo and Gino. Whether you're joining our adventure from YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, be sure to give us a like or a follow. Uh, let's get the adventure rolling. So we're going to bring back housekeeping. We haven't done housekeeping in a while, but... Yeah, especially after dedicating an entire month to Sonic. Some things have piled up that we would just like to talk about. Yeah. Well, I'm going to kick it off with the beginning of May. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. All right. All of us walked out of that theater thoroughly underwhelmed. In hindsight, after watching the scenes over and over and over again on TikTok... I gotta say, I just stand Wanda so much that I'm sure on a second watch it'll be more palatable. I think there were very high expectations for this movie, and I think that's partially why it was underwhelming. Um, I also think that the movie was very fast-paced, and it made it hard to, to really digest what was happening. But either way, regardless of what I end up feeling about it, I do think that this movie will always be, at most, a mid-tier Marvel movie. It was nothing special. I think mid-tier is very generous like there's very few mcu movies that have dramatically shot up my rankings upon like a rewatch the original doctor strange is one of the uh, the few exceptions but i don't expect multiverse of madness to be one of those because like i felt kind of ripped off almost coming out of the that movie with the title multiverse of madness and with all the hype and leaks and and potential and and all of that that this movie had it just did not come close to those expectations at all and i don't think it was unfair to have those expectations either so i would notch this in like my bottom third on my marvel rankings easily and i honestly don't have the motivation to rewatch it i'm sure we'll rewatch it once it's on like disney plus or something mateo like eventually just be like eh, was it really as bad as i remember it we'll watch through it and we'll be like maybe yes maybe no I'm kind of like right there with Jules. It's definitely a mid-tier Marvel movie in my opinion. But I really, really, really enjoyed the first Doctor Strange where I felt like there was more just like grounded magic. Like when everything's come to like multi-dimensional and multiversal kind of stuff, those concepts our own physicists barely understand. How do you expect like a comic book audience to just like, oh, okay, there's the blender dimension or there's the the dimension where everyone's paint and stuff. Like, I'm sorry, that's just really far-fetched. It's a cool idea, and it's a really nice visual and all, but, like, I was hoping for more, like, traditional magic that we saw, like, in the original. A little bit of what Joel said, a little bit of what Mateo said, and a little bit of what Gino thinks. We just had Star Wars Celebration wrap-up. Obi-Wan just came out. So we got a title for the, the sequel to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which is Star Wars Jedi Survivor, and there was a little teaser... Like, there's a good chance we probably don't see that at all until next year. Yeah, most likely. EA's too busy trying to be bought by another studio right now. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> yep. And then other Star Wars stuff that was announced. The new lightsabers at Disneyland. Vote for Joe Costa new! <laughs> That's the least important thing that was announced. There was the uh, Star Wars... Uh, I'm blanking on the title of the show, but it's going to give us... The Jedi? Yes. Yes, that, the one about Count Dooku and Qui-Gon Jinn and Ahsoka. Um, Ahsoka is also coming, um, and it looks like it's basically live-action sequel series to Star Wars Rebels. Mm-hmm. I'm so hyped. It does look cool. And then Andor got a release date, and they announced that other one. Skeleton Crew. Yeah, Skeleton Crew, the one that John Watts is doing. With Jude Law. Which people are describing as Star Wars Stranger Things. Really? I didn't, I didn't hear that. 
Yeah, because um, it's focusing on kids, and it's almost like horror esque in the sense that it's like like they're like stranded somewhere. Obi One is three episodes in now. We've all only seen the first two. After we're done recording this, I'm sure all of us are going to go start there. We're going to watch that third episode. So far, it's in the the phase of the show where they're just still setting things up. There's only six episodes in the whole limited series, so they really don't have that much time to set up. So I hope that this third episode that came out today really pushes the plot forward. I, I, I'm a sucker for Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan, so I think I'll end up liking this at the end of it. The fact that the show's being made alone is a huge win. So. Yeah, I don't think that uh, this show started nearly as badly as people think it did, because like, it's, like, it's doing such a better job than Boba Fett at this stage in it already. I don't know, like, I feel like this this show has a lot more potential, and they're, they kind of jumped right into the meat of things right at the very beginning of it. We just finished off uh, Sonic Month with the, with the Lego vid. Uh, I have another kind of Lego build uh, planned. I have another set lying around. Not sure when I'm going to post that one just yet. Still waiting on a few things, but if that's... Uh, it's, it's something that I enjoy doing, and I find it really fun having, like, some good music and some kind of, like, time-lapse building and stuff. It kind of satisfies that itch. I mean, one thing that I've been doing is I've been watching Umbrella Academy. Binge-watched the first two seasons. Phenomenal show. Suggested to everybody. Um, third season is dropping in a month. Would love for both Gino and Matteo to give that one a watch so we could do an episode on it. It's a very good show. Very time-travel-focused. While also having kind of like the the vibe of like, I guess, kind of X-Men, but way sillier. It's a graphic novel originally written by the lead singer of My Chemical Romance, and they made it into a show, and the show is better, because I've read the plots of the graphic novels, and graphic novels are a little bit too weird and crazy for me. The show simplifies it a lot more and makes it a little bit more quirky in a different way. But, yeah, that's a that's a good one to check out. And then, like, just quickly, before we go into the, the big topic, what I've been watching, I've finally taken up Adriano... Uh, on one of his recommendations. I'm a big fan of The Office. And for whatever reason, I still haven't watched, hadn't watched Parks and Recreation. And Parks and Rec is fantastic. You can't hear my voice. I might sound a little sick. I, feel, I still feel a little sick. But while I was out of commission for a few days, I just binged the first two and a half seasons of Parks and Rec. And I'm enjoying that show so much. If if you are slightly interested in The Office or if you really love The Office and haven't watched Parks and Rec, do it. Don't put it off as long as I have because that show is really, really, really good. I believe it's seven seasons. So I'm very excited for what's to come. And I just love Ron. I love Andy. Tom is hilarious. Like There's so many great characters in that show. It's not as good as The Office, but it still scratches the same itch. It's created by a lot of the same people that worked on The Office, so it definitely has the same DNA of the show. It was supposed to be a spin-off at one point. Highly recommended, and once again, I would like to thank Adriano for pushing me to watch that show. Yep, it's a very, very good show. And fun fact, um, which you may have not known this, Mateo, Ron Swanson, his actor, is playing a main role in The Last of Us TV show. Oh, really? Yep, he is playing Bill. Oh, shoot. I didn't know that. I was going to watch that show regardless, probably. So, But now I have that extra little bit of connectivity to for the actor, and I can compare the actor and other things. I know it's a completely different genre of show, but... One last thing. Been playing KO the Kangaroo. 
<laughs> and I gotta say, it ain't bad. If you like platformers, you'll think it's okay. If you don't like platformers, just don't play it. Wow, what a great and riveting recommendation. <laughs> but what makes it the best, like the reason to play it, is that the voice acting is like the room. It's so hilariously like Terrible. not bad quality. It's like it's not bad quality. It's hilariously cringe that you just like it. Isn't it just a bunch of Polish people pretending to be Australian? They're not even trying to be Australian. They're just speaking like, and it's not it has nothing to do with the fact that they have Polish accents. It's just the delivery of some of the characters' lines are so like hilariously bad. It's like Tommy Wiseau's delivery. It's like, how could you do this to me? It's like. It's just, like, not good delivery, and some of the writing is really cringe. Like, there was, like, one level where he was, like, going down to, like, the depths of, like, this, like, lava cavern. He's going down the elevator, and he's like, oh, hello, darkness, my old friend. And I'm just, like, I'm just, like, cackling, because I'm just, like, this is, like, I don't know who wrote this, but it's so, like, cringe. It's not the best platformer by any means, but it's, like, a solid, like, 7 out of 10 game. The games industry has crossed yet another 90s early 2000s mascot platformer off of the list bringing banjo even more into the forefront and stressing the fact that banjo is the king of platformers and still has yet to have a new game so i will not take a banjo kazooie remake until i have a chameleon twist reboot i don't even know what that is chameleon (laughs) twist is a deep cut you know well anyway I actually have uh, one onto the meat to and say. potatoes. <laughs> this is just a one. I, I don't want to delve into this, but we here at the Hub World stand by Gotham Knights and do not agree with any of the criticism that that game is getting online. We are very excited for that game, and it did get a release date. So a lot of things got release dates. There's too many to to announce, but I think we're going to talk about a piece of news from today, um, which actually started yesterday when IGN showed a little teaser for Sonic Frontiers, and they announced that they would be exclusively showing off Sonic Frontiers throughout the month, and now a gameplay first look dropped today of Sonic Uh Frontiers. We have not talked about this yet in our group Mm. chats. I don't actually know your opinions on it, and I'm very curious to hear what you have to say. Not gonna lie, just finished watching it just before we started recording today, but I was like, oh yeah, there's some new Sonic stuff. I'm like, we just did a whole month of that. Okay. Let's start the month Perfect timing. Like, we, we knew this was going to happen. Wink, yep. wink. So I watched both the teaser thing and the whole seven minutes of gameplay footage from IGN, and I'm like, okay, which fa- Sonic fan mod uh, group put Sonic in Breath of the Wild? That was, like, the only thing going through my mind. had the exact same reaction to it. I, like, watching it, I'm like, this looks like one of those trailers that somebody, like, sends me of, like, Ocarina of Time redone in Unreal Engine 4, where there's, like, nothing there. It's, like, him just, like, walking through, like, an empty, like, really good-looking world, but, like, there's, like, nothing there. And that's what I felt like I was watching. I felt like I was watching Sonic in a tech demo. And I just really hope it's early, like, really early game, like, tutorial stage where they're just kind of teaching you about the things, and that the actual game has way more. That's what I'm hoping for, but... Hoping and Sonic don't always go well together. Exactly. Like, my whole thing was, once again, like, Sonic and I have a very up-and-down history. Like, anytime I get really excited for a Sonic game, I end up getting really disappointed. So I'm going in with very low expectations. And I gotta say, like, the gameplay trailer that we saw today didn't 
do anything necessarily to increase my hype or decrease my hype. It, it was very, it stayed the same. And like, who knows how old the build of the what we saw is from? Like, because there are instances I'm like these textures when Sonic's crashing into the ground have not loaded in by the time he hit the ground. Oh, the grind rails that are floating in the sky, not attached to anything that don't really fit. They're loading in too. So like, it doesn't seem optimized yet, but once again, like the game, who knows how old the build is. There's still a lot of development time to go, but it definitely striked me as a great plateau type situation where like it's showing you very simplistic puzzles. Sonic can run up walls. Sonic can use grind rails. There's that treadmill or the hamster wheel thing that they want Sonic, like they want us to think that's really cool. And that he can do that and opens a door somewhere like, okay, I, I, I was fine. I, I can give you that. But I am at the point now where I feel like even though we've barely seen anything about this game, I want to see a different area. I don't want to see this same foresty sort of mountainous area. I'm sick of it. I want to see other zones. I mean, will there be other zones? Hopefully. Like, I, I just hope that visually there's something else that is more interesting. Because what they've shown of this so far, I feel like creatively, there probably isn't very much that they can do with this. And it's a little boring at this point, even though we've probably seen a combined total of like eight minutes worth of footage of this game. I I still think that there will be some hope for it. It's still very early on, and I may very well be wrong, but... I didn't have any hype or anything like that going into this. I currently don't, but I would love to be... The way I look at it is I want one of two things to happen here. I want this to have just been like maybe the tutorial area where they do just have things randomly scattered just to teach you some of the mechanics, and then you go out into the actual world and things are way more meaningfully placed. There's more going on. There's enemies. Like That's what I'd like to see. And like... They did say we are going to see a bunch about this game on IGN throughout the month, so we might see those things, right? They're doing a Sonic month. We did that first. Exactly. <laughs> so so that's what I'm hoping on one end, and then the game ends up being really good, and that's great. Or on the opposite end, I'm hoping that the whole game is like this, because that would mean that this would objectively become the worst Sonic game. And then nobody will need to think about Sonic 06 anymore. In your dreams, because you know what? I didn't see the frame rate stutter at that. And, and it didn't crash. And I know... There were no load screens. Yep. <laughs> there were also no enemies. There was not a single enemy in that open world. It was very curated. We didn't even see combat. In the, the, the teaser that they showed the day before the gameplay trailer came out, there were enemies. And there was a boss. And... That was kind of cool, but... It's very strange, but it was cool. Yeah, but, yeah, in your dreams, I don't think there's a chance that this is worse than Sonic 06, to be brutally honest with you. And you are a fool, because there's no chance it'll be better, no matter how good it is. Speaking of Sonic 06, I do have to tip my hat to Sega, because this is the biggest leap, and the biggest gamble, and the biggest departure that the Sonic series has gone on or taken since Sonic 06. And they do deserve credit for that because Sonic has gotten stale a little bit. He's had his ups and downs, but eventually you got to take the risk. Bring the series into an interesting place. And they've definitely done that at the very least. To me, this is a very intriguing genre mashup. It's an open world 3D platformer. 
I don't view it as a action adventure type game that Zelda is or Assassin's Creed or Horizon. It's a 3D platformer in an open world. I like what what Nintendo tried doing with Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. This is kind of like taking Bowser's Fury yeah. into like a full-on open world. And that worked really well. It did. So that's also I'm... Nintendo taking Yes. Yes. That's the thing. Is you also have to remember Sega. Sonic hasn't been AAA in a very, very, very long time. Nintendo's AAA. The budget and the the attention to detail and the patience of Sega is not up to par with Nintendo. Also, like I feel like Sega is just like <laughs> the like it's like everything Nintendo does. If Sega tries to do it, they just, like, do it so much worse. That's brutal honesty. Like, that's the way it is. Sega, like, looks at something Nintendo and is like, I'm gonna do that. And then it's, like, it's almost like you're just like, oh, oh, Sega. You tried. Type of thing. So you're saying that Nintendo does what Sega don't. Exactly. <laughs> Nintendo does what like Sega it. can't is better. That's even better. But, yeah, I'm sure we'll see more of Sonic Frontiers in Summer Games Fest. Maybe even in Microsoft or Nintendo's summer games showing. And so the other big news that dropped today had to do with Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Not only did it get a release date of November 18th, I'd say it had a a moderate info dump. It wasn't the greatest. It wasn't the most exciting. Like, okay, exciting things did get announced. But it, honestly, in general, it wasn't as much as I thought there was going to be. What do you guys think? I personally actually thought that it was more than we typically get at this stage. Because typically at this stage, like the first trailer after the announcement of the games and the starters is usually only the mascots. Maybe a couple, like a handful of Pokemon. Yeah, but think about this, though. We still don't know, like, the main mechanic. We don't know Maybe the name of, of the region. Like, there's a lot of stuff we don't know about this game yet. I feel like we would have known that by this point. It might reappear in a Nintendo Direct in, in the summer, but I don't know. Like, I, I feel like they wouldn't put a lot of sizable tidbits in the Direct. This was their big platform. The thing is, too, that typically this point is where they start doing, like, monthly updates. And know what? There might not be a gimmick in the way that people think. Because I'm actually looking back at the Sword and Shield trailer too, because I want to compare. And it's actually a lot of the same things. I'm looking at it. It's like they showed off the starters again. Like they showed off the uh, rival for the first time. They kind of showed off a bit of the world, some of the returning Pokemon. And then they showed three new Pokemon. And then they showed off Dynamax. And then the mascots. And then the release date. So... When you really think about this one, it was very similar. It was, we saw more footage, we saw the starters, we saw the professors, we saw the rival, and then we did see three new Pokemon, and we did see the big new mechanic, which is that it's multiplayer. That's massive. Like, I I think that's the gimmick. I don't think there's going to be a Dynamax or a Mega Evolution equivalent. I, I actually just think the gimmick is it's multiplayer. We didn't see much of multiplayer at all. Like, it was just a three-minute trailer in total. But that was the same with Sword and Shield, is they just showed a Pokemon get big, and that was it. Yeah, true. Because, honestly, that's basically what all Dynamaxing is. When I really think about it now, I was done with features that impacted battling after Mega Evolution, because I hated Z-moves, and 
Gigantamaxing, Dynamaxing is kind of dumb. It's kind of like the poor man's Mega Evolution. And it's really just, it's just a borrowed power mechanic. And like a lot of like MMOs and stuff like World of Warcraft primarily gets a lot of flack for like, okay, you enter this new expansion or in, po- in the case of Pokemon, a new, a new generation. And then you get attached to these features and everything. And then they're stripped away from you in such a way that makes it feel bad at, yeah. towards the end of it. Like when we lost Mega Evolutions, it sucked. When we lost Z moves, it sucked, but it didn't suck as much as. I don't think it sucked. I did not suck. I was happy because Z moves were broken. Like how like, how much more ridiculousness is going to get? We got like big chungus Pikachu. That is amazing. But like and and long meowth as a Gigantamax and stuff. Like come on, battle mechanics and stuff. Like it's just borrowed. We're going to get attached to it and then it's going to leave. Yeah. And it's just like then why even introduce it? Like or like if you're going to do a feature, okay, permanently introduce Mega Evolution, and that's going to be the thing going forward iterate on it so if i i do hope that this new the gimmick feature thing is something like the multiplayer that you said jules i hope that it's something that's more compelling than what we had with just the legendary raids and like the whole raid mechanic i really do think it is because when you think about like battle mechanics like shift all the time and like they they try new things but i really think that what they're exploring here rather than it being shifting up the battling is I think they're exploring like shifting up everything else because like two of the big changes to Pokemon Scarlet and Violet is they are going for a purely open world experience as well as they're adding in this multiplayer. And this is something that wasn't in the trailer and wasn't shared after our last one, but this is from the direct directly from the site. This was updated today. It Mm -hmm. says, you can experience a new style of adventure with a world that you're free to explore at your leisure and not in any order dictated by the story. That sounds so awesome. <laughs> so like they I feel like that's what they're doing with this is it's not a gimmick in terms of like battle gameplay. It's a gimmick in terms of like core gameplay. Like how are you going to approach this game is different because now you can approach it from a bunch of different angles. You can approach it very similar to in a way similar to Legends Arceus, where you kind of have a vast amount of choice of and freedom in what you want to explore and how you're going to explore that. And then on top of that, you also have the freedom to explore those things with your friends and your family, and that's going to really change the game as well, because what options will that open up, and how will things like Pokemon raids show back up in new ways now that you can freely explore? Because now what they might do which kind of makes sense when you think about it is now it might be a similar situation to like legends Arceus where there's like some really strong Pokemon roaming in the overworld. And the idea is like, Hey, if you get your buddies on with you, you might not be able to take down a level 40 Tyranitar at the, like when you're out just after the second gym, when all your Pokemon are like in your like twenties by yourself. But if you can get a couple buddies on board and tag team it, you can take it down and get a bunch of EXP. Maybe somebody can catch it. I think there's a lot of potential here. I just think in general, like my impression of just everything that they showed at the end of this trailer was once again, like thing I say about every single second trailer for a Nintendo game is that how much better it looks the second time around. Like I just felt that this game blows Sword and Shield out of the water visually. It's, and it's on the same hardware. This really feels like the step forward that Sword and Shield should have been in a way. And I like don't get me wrong, I loved Pokemon Sword and Shield, but it still had sort of those 3DS character models and animations 
whereas mm-hmm. you see the rival character and you see the the Pokemon moving around and and they, it, everything just seems more lively, more emotive, and more colorful. Just everything about this trailer sold me even more on this game. And I just think, like, once again, like, the Switch, it's constantly putting out what could be the best versions of these classic game series, or these iconic game series. And I'm just so excited for this game. I just, November 18th cannot come sooner. Also, did you see how emotive those Venonat were when we finally saw them? Like, yeah. they were just, like, running around yeah. the fields and kind of, like, looking like they were waving. I wasn't sure if that maybe is an in-game cinematic or if just, like... No, that no was, I think that's it was in-game. animation. Mm-hmm. Moving yeah. at a full, like, five frames per second, which I'm sure will get better yeah. with the final game. But that's how you can tell. It's definitely not a cinematic. But, yeah, there was a lot shown that was, like, very promising. It's always tough to tell at the beginning of a generation because there's always so much potential. But as of now, I can personally say... Of the eight Pokemon we've seen, I like every single one of them. And whoever's in charge for localizing this right now must be a new team because the naming structures are much different than they have been in the past. And I love how they're leaning into memes. Lechonk is the best Pokemon name ever, and nobody can ever convince me otherwise. Uh, I can I can try to convince you otherwise, Jules. Um, when Lechonk evolves into Lethick... Lethic ain't the best. Lechungus is the best. Lechungus. That's the final form. Lechungus is the final. Um, mm-hmm. But even like Smoliv, like being S-M-L-O-L, like small, Smoliv, like I love that name. I didn't love the Pokemon when I first saw it. The name made me love it. And even the legends, like the legendaries are cool, like very cool. And at first I remember being like, holy, like that Scarlet one is so cool. And I didn't love the the violet one and then now the more and more i look at the violet one i'm like i don't know i think actually the violet one's better like and they're both very very cool and i actually like this thing that they've been doing as of sword and shield where the the legendaries are similar in terms of design like i like that i like how like zamazenta and zacian like felt like a pair and i like how here koraidon and miraidon seem like a pair like one thing that always drove me nuts is like xerneas and Tail just feel like different pokemon like thematically they're tied but they don't look connected well they they're both letters of the alphabet no and even so galio and lunala to a degree like i never felt like they felt very connected right like they kind of had that like astral kind of thing going on with their faceplate like so galio had that like blue dot around its eyes with the sun kind of logo lunala kind of had that like cosmic kind of like they both kind of had that like cosmog kind of they had sure they had elements but they still like felt like very very different pokemon and while some people, I'm sure, can argue that they prefer that, I've always preferred where Pokemon seem more thematically tied. Like, I like Gen 4 and Gen 5, where the Pokemon seem much more, like, thematically in design choice, like, very, very close. And I like that Zacian Zamazenta had do that, and Koridon and Maridon are also like that. Like, one of the things that always bothered me about... Like, for example, Gen 3 is that I, even though I choose Pokemon Sapphire, I think it's, like, a joke how much better Groudon looks than Kyogre. And I think that really affects... How dare you? How dare I, you? Kyogre I fully is so believe, much better. 
No, I disagree. And I'm like, that's the thing is I like when they're more similar because it makes me feel like they're on equal playing field. And I've felt like that with all of the ones where like they feel different. It's like I very firmly believe that Lunala looks stupid and Solgaleo looks cool. And I very firmly believe that Xerneas looks cool and Eveltail looks stupid. And I always find that's the case when they're too different. Is that I like one and I don't like the other. Whereas when they're similar, it's like I recognize what's good about both. I like Zacian and Zamazenta. I like Reshiram and Zekrom. I like Dialga and Palkia. I like both of these. I like Crydon and Maridon. I like Ko and Lugia. But like, no, when they're different, I'm just like, what? They're, these are two different Pokemon and they just slap them out of the box. But just quickly, we got three non legendary Pokemon with Pommy, Lechonk, and Smoliv. And I actually really like what they're doing on the Pokemon uh, Scarlet and Violet website where they show, like, screenshots of the Pokemon and then give, like, descriptions of them. Like, these aren't, like, the, the Pokedex descriptions, but, like, Pommy's the Pikachu of the generation, like, the starting, like, electric-type Pokemon, the early electric-type Pokemon you get that has the cheeks. Pommy is a is categorized as a mouse Pokemon, very similar to to Pikachu. Again, it's the same species of animal that it's inspired by. I think Pommy's got the potential to be like a fighting electric type, which to me is really really cool. But if it's like Pachirisu or Emolga or Togedemaru or all the other Pikachu type Pokemon, it will not evolve. So that's the thing. But hopefully, like like. They want to break tropes like they have been, like they 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 broke a, a trope that we're going to talk about later. Maybe they they do that with the the Pikachu like Pokemon, but Smoliv and Lechonk, like they they're definitely going to have el- evolutions. I like what they said about Smoliv, how like obviously it's an olive, but it says it's not suitable for consumption, and it use Smoliv uses the oil to slow its opponents down. So it can run away. I just think that's hilarious. You think, oh, olive oil is this Mediterranean staple. And, and so like in Spain tradition, they would use it. But nope, the olive oil is not safe for human consumption. Yeah, yeah. I find that's hilarious. Also, Spain has a very large ham culture. I'm, I wasn't surprised seeing a pig. Like Spanish cured meats and their their cured meat products actually are like very very like high, highly regarded. The other thing I just want to mention too is that one thing that this trailer kind of gave us an insight into um, that we didn't know before, but kind of makes sense when you actually look at the logos and like the way that Scarlet and Violet are um, designed. But it's the fact that. These games shouldn't have been called Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. They should have been called yeah. Pokemon Past and Pokemon Future. 100%. Already, they've pulled apart. Like, we're getting more significant differences between versions than we've had basically since Gen 3 when and Gen 5, where Gen 5 had a different location and Gen 3 had a different villain team. And already, we've gotten multiple. We've gotten a different costume for the trainers. We've gotten different professors. And who knows what else will be there, especially if there's this past and future trope. And what's interesting is that Koridon, like Korai, means past, and Murai means future. And then same thing with the, the professors. Their names mean past and future. Exactly. And for the professors, it's the Spanish translation. Uh, pasado is past, and Futuro 
his future. Pardon my terrible Spanish. We're not Spanish, so and we do not speak Spanish. They broke the naming convention with the professors. Up to this point, every professor was named after a tree, and now we're not. That's just not a thing anymore. We this is the first time that's not happened. But I, I love the fact that Professor Pasa from Pokemon Scarlet. She has like the tooth necklace. She she kind of looks like a modern caveman essentially, right? They give that vibe. Whereas Turo, aside from looking like Kit from formerly from Nintendo Minute, now on the Kit and Krista podcast, he kind of has very futuristic looking clothes underneath his lab coat. I just find that fascinating. I think it would be really cool. Like one of the other things I want them to do is I want there to be more differences between the versions. And I hope that they do a Pokemon um, Ruby and Sapphire. And I hope we get different villain teams. But what would be cool is if the villain team in Scarlet is led by the professor from Violet and vice versa. Hey, that was my idea that we talked about earlier. Did you? I don't yes, remember you I saying that. I said it in our chat. Oh, yeah. I didn't. I, maybe I didn't read it, but yeah, no, that would be cool. Both professors do not look happy-go-lucky like our other professors. No, or, or they don't. They, they, they definitely give me like evil vibes. They could be villains, yeah. They don't look happy in their portraits, so... Mind you, Professor Rowan didn't, but Rowan's old. So that would be so cool if they did that. And then, like, uh, well, I'll tell you my other idea about past and future after. But let's move to legends and their types. Um, Mateo, you had an idea of what one of them was going to be. When I look at Maridon, I don't get a clear picture because I, there's just so many types that it could be. I see dragon, obviously, because it looks like a dragon. Electric is very obvious in like the bolts that are coming out of its head and like the shimmering and stuff like that but then the fact that it is a it looks like a vehicle and it has like jet engines on its back as legs could make it steel type as well and then when i when i look at Coridon, i also get the dragon vibes but it's it's more of a simplistic design like it could just be dragon or it could have they could tack fire onto it or whatever. So a rock. It could be a rock type because that giant thing on its throat. But that people say that that looks like a tire. So mm-hmm. it also gives off the vehicle vibe. I was also gonna say, like, the other thing to consider is if this shares the trope of Lunala and Solgaleo and well, just in general, most of the legendaries in the past, um, aside from a couple of them. Um, but I think this it will share this trope. Similarization in Zamazenta is they're going to have a shared base type. So what is the base type here? And personally, I don't think it's dragon. Like, I understand people's... Like, yeah, they look like dinosaurs and lizards, so they could be dragon, but I don't think they're going to go with that vibe. I think it's going to be more like fossil Pokemon. Like, I could see rock being the base type. Or they might just be two completely contrasting types. I Maybe. hope that's the case, to be honest with you. Yeah, because that would break a trope. Coridon could be. could be Rock Dragon, and then Maridon could be Steel Electric. I don't know if it's going to be Dragon. Like, I, I really think it's going to be, like, Electric. Like, if, let's say they're Rock. Like, it'll be, like, Coridon will be, like, I don't know, Flying Rock, and Maridon will be Electric Rock. Like, I think it'll be something like yeah, that. Flying is a good... Um, and I do believe that this scenario is similar to Gen 7 where Lunala and Solgaleo are, like, technically the same Pokemon from, like, different dimensions, I think this is the same Pokemon from different eras. 
Like, I think they're the same Pokemon. It's just one is, like, historically what it was, and one is, like, what it becomes in the future. And I think that's or, what the villain team's professors will be behind, is, like, in Violet, the villain team will be trying to resurrect the ancient dragon. And in Scarlet, the villain team will be trying to bring, like, the future dragon from the future, like, into into the past, like, something like that. Or they could just have triple types. We could finally get triple types. No, because I never want triple types. Both of these could go that way. I never want triple types. Yeah, like, that would just, like, break the game in half. <laughs> hey, yeah. The triple types can make a legendary Pokemon legendary. Because legendary Pokemon, in my opinion, as of late in general, kind of suck. Yeah, how would the math work? Pokemon's not about cute, colorly creatures, Mateo. It's all about math and numbers. They can figure it out. But another thing, and this is something I shared to you guys in our group chat, another thing I think that could be cool is I would love if when they do regional variants, which I'm going to assume are coming back, because if they don't come back, I'll boycott. Not actually, but like mentally. You know, previous Um, ones are coming back. The previous ones are coming back. But I would love if the way regional variants work in this game is that all of them are exclusives and the regional variants are based off of like past and future. So like, for example, like all the regional variants in Scarlet will be similar to like Hisuian forms. They're ancient, like mystical versions of these character or of these Pokemon that has existed in the past. And the ones from Violet are the opposite. They're versions of these Pokemon that have evolved even further and have like maybe been like, enhanced with tech and have become like futuristic and i'd love that vibe of like okay well scarlet has like a past version of gloom but violet has like a futuristic version of victory bell like like something like that that would be really really cool but like if both games are set in the present how would that work with the futuristic Pokemon. Well, think about like, it kind of like how um, Black City and White Forest kind of worked in Gen 5, as well as the the final gym, right? Because, like, think about it. This is the generation that Gen 5 is going to get a lot of... Re- like, like we had Gen 4 with, uh, with Gen 8. Like, Gen 5 and Gen yeah. 9 are going to be connected somehow. And I feel like this is also inspired by the final city in, um, in that generation as well, like where you fight either Iris or the Old Man. So depending on which version of the game you had, you had the the version of the game where um, I can't remember because it was so long ago. So like the final city was the Dragon Gym, but if you had, I think it was Pokemon Black, you had Black City, and the, the final town was like futuristic and was like a proper city and like technologically advanced. And if you had Pokemon White version, you had the White Forest, and the final city was more like ancient down to its roots and all that kind of stuff. I think there's like there there has to be a connection with Gen Five somehow. Maybe. Yeah, so like it like for instance Scarlet could just be okay, here's the Spain region, but it's more connected with its past and tradition. And then Violet could be okay, here's the Spain region, but it's like okay, we're progress and technology. That's what I'm thinking too. I definitely don't think it's gonna be like set in the future and past. I think it's just more gonna deal with this idea of like you said, like like tradition and history versus like progress and evolution. And just lastly, I think the only thing we didn't mention was the the rival that they introduced, Nimona. First ever female rival. The Gen 6 one was. Gen 6 didn't have a female, did it? Yeah. Gen 6 had like five rivals. Yeah, but the, the one that gave you your the, the opposite starter at the end of it was always kind of the, 
and like the, the little girl with the pink shirt. I always thought that she was like the main one. This is the first time where there's one rival and it's a female. But I think in general, though, she might be one of the best designed rivals in a long, long time. I don't want to yeah, like I say agree. since X game. I don't know exactly. I haven't come to that decision yet, but I just like the the personality that she has. And like weirdly enough, it says she she's not the best at throwing pokeballs and people are saying, oh, maybe that's the reason why she has that glove on the one hand. Maybe that helps her. But other comments and things I've read online say, oh, maybe the glove is the gimmick of the game. Like, that is the mega bracelet or the the Z-ring or whatever the heck they are. Yeah, that's possible. It's also, the other thing to consider, too, is that they haven't called her the rival. Everybody is kind of assuming she's the rival. And she might. Don't get me wrong, because she also has the thing where, like, you know, her colors change depending on the game but like considering her age and like it's very strange that the characters in this game look so bloody young and she looks like an adult and i wouldn't throw it past it that she is not the rival and she's the champion maybe but like this is the other thing also to remember that the term we throw the term rival out like it's still gen ones through four but they've kind of done away with the traditional pokemon rival archetype like that isn't really a thing anymore. But in general, though, I think that is pretty well it for Pokemon. Well, there's one. No, no, oh. there's one thing you forgot to add, Mateo, and I'm surprised you would forget because you're such a big fan of Undertale. But Toby Fox will be doing more music for Pokemon, for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Specifically, he has returned to create the field music for the game, which means you're going to get to li- listen to the stylings of Toby Fox for a very big majority of the game. It's great that he'll be known for better things than Undertale. I'm leaning toward Violet, but I'm still very, very in the middle, and I need to see what the exclusives are. I'm convinced with with the Violet start with the Violet Legendaries that and Foy Coco, I'm going to be a happy camper. And Lechonk. as per tradition, when I see the mascot legendary, like that's the team I pick. I'm Team Scarlet now. I was Team Scarlet before, just based on the name and the logo. Now that I've seen the legendary, I'm still on Team Scarlet, no matter what Pokemon are exclusive or what have you, I'm sticking with Scarlet. I've always been that way with Pokemon. And most of the time, actually, it turns out to that I've picked the best version, just based on exclusives and stuff like that. I'm, I'm generally happy most of the time. So let's hope that that happens again with Pokemon Scarlet. So I'm Team Scarlet. Watch me get the unique version of Heracross with like a super mech suit, Mateo. You're, you're going to eat those words. That ain't gonna happen, so... Well, I think that's, like, all that's really left to be said about Pokemon, so... I don't know if we have much else to say. I think those are the the major things that have been happening. Well, just quickly, a little tease, if you will, for our summer games plans. I've, I'm, I try very hard to not refer to it as E3, because E3's not happening this year. It's not a thing, it's dead. They say they're coming back next year. You never know. Like, they said it was supposed to happen this year, then they cancelled it, but I, I'll take them for their word right now. I'll say E3's happening next year, but for us, it's the same thing. We just watch the digital, the digital presentations anyways. But Microsoft is doing theirs on Sunday, uh, June 12th. Microsoft and Bethesda. Yes, yeah, the Microsoft Bethesda Showcase. Hopefully we get a new Banjo game announced there. I'm knocking on wood, if you can hear that. Uh, Ubisoft actually said today that they're not partaking in a June Summer Game Showcase, so I'm sure... Mario and Rabbids will be in the Nintendo one and maybe like Assassin's Creed or 
Prince of Persia Sands of Time remake or something Ubisoft related will be in another company's event. But uh, we still don't know what Nintendo's doing at the time of this recording. They're probably going to do something hopefully in the same week as Microsoft. Like traditionally their slot is the Tuesday. So maybe the 14th. That's my best guess. And I don't think we are going to be doing live stream reactions like we did last year but who knows we might have an audio recording just in the background just in case something happens and post it for clicks wink wink but we're still going to do our predictions whenever nintendo's direct gets announced and closer to microsoft's presentation we'll do predictions and then after everything's done we'll do just a big recap podcast uh we talk about our favorite games our games that were that were notably absent just encompassing the entire summer games window because it could even be month long like it's kind of weird not having the e3 sort of window of like three days being there kind of like the door like it's wide open the entire month they don't even like like Sony could go out of June. Nintendo could even go out of June. Like we don't, don't know, know anything that's on. having it's the wild west. So there's not really any way we can prepare for that. So, but yeah, we'll do our best. We will cover everything and I will weep and I will definitely have a, a, a recording of myself weeping when the new Banjo game gets announced because I'm hearing, ru- I heard rumors and I don't want to get my hopes up, but that's the case every year. Already. I think, you know what, I, you know, that's a good place uh, to leave it right now. So, uh, that brings us to the end of today's side quest. If you liked what you heard today, hit that like, subscribe, or follow button on your platform of choice. If you want to contribute to the conversation, let us know any ideas for any upcoming quests. So just share your thoughts and leave us a comment. We have noticed a lot more activity uh, on the channel a lot recently on the YouTube side of things. We are seeing a lot more downloads from all over the world on RSS, on our side of things. Hello from wherever you're listening or using your VPN to connect to. Um, yeah, so that's it from us here at the Hub World. We'll see you next time. Mateo? Microsoft, announce new Banjo game on the 12th. See everybody. Bye, everybody.